So welcome back to this episode 28. We are doing a two-part conversation with our good friend and board member, Audra Uzel. It's Monday, August 19th, and you are listening to Steps Talk, a podcast brought to you by Steps Care, a nonprofit based out of Bentonville, Arkansas, that is all about inspiring disability ministry. I'm your host, Shelly Allen. I'm the founder and executive director at Steps Care. So during part two, we continue our conversation with Audra about the telltale signs that parents can look for when identifying if their children have gifted abilities. We talk about ways to support students within faith communities and more. So stay tuned. I think you're going to be inspired. Um, you have been posting some really great informational facts and various insights about gifted learners on your Facebook page, and which I love. And I'm learning. I'm just learning so much from them. And I appreciate that you do that. Um, I read each one and I make sure that I hit my little like button. <laughs> like I love I it. remember to get them all reposted. It's hard sometimes. <laughs> I love them. Um, what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions about gifted learners by the general public? Uh, the biggest, there's a couple of them. The biggest would be that I think the misconception is, is that people, there's a lot of people that don't think gifted is a thing. And they say, well, if you're using an IQ, that's not an accurate representation. And um, I hear this, and I want to say this gently because of the fact that I am involved in ministry, and I do, you know, that there's a lot of, well, everyone's gifted. I think we need to separate that classification of gifted with ministry and talents that a person has that they can use for the kingdom Mm. from how an actual gifted brain works. And so I think the misconception with society is that they don't understand that when we say someone is gifted, yes, we may have used an IQ to assess them to get them in a program. But the reason we used an IQ to get them in a program is because they exhibited some of those same characteristics that you asked me about, like what are some things to look for. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you have this person whose brain literally is processing higher-level higher knowledge base for their age and trying to just get more of that and having a desire to be more like that. And the, the society, the general public, doesn't understand that that brain isn't really just the number. It literally is the way that brain thinks. Mm-hmm. And teaching gifted for eight years, I can tell you their brains are very different. Because I did teach a regular classroom, and I mean, I used to teach at church in a Wednesday school classroom setting, and I can see the differences as how a brain operates in that fashion. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you would say, you know, with, um, oh, with a kid that, oh, not all kids are the same. We know that. Right. So to say, well, everybody is gifted, like I said, that we need to separate that. And I, the general public needs to understand what that really means when we say a kid is gifted is that their cognitive processing and their input and the way it's filed and processed is at a very rapid pace that is different from how the average brain is processing 
that information and dealing with that information. So even if that, a lot of gifted learners are a very global thinker, they think about every option, every process, every problem before they give you a response or before they speak. And the reason is is because their brain is processing every possible solution at the same time. That's where not everybody's brain is actually doing that. A lot of people are literally just processing what words were told to them. And so it's really a different way of thinking. And I know that, like I said, because of my experience in general. And it's like, you can't, you can't just say, well, everybody's this or everybody's this. We're not. We're all individuals. God created us all differently. And so the general public just really doesn't understand what it means to be gifted. It's not, it's not the number. The number has to be done for qualifying purposes so that kids have advocacy and so they have an mm-hmm. advantage. It's so a diagnostic. It's like, do what? It's a diagnostic. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So that they can get the opportunities that they need, because there's a lot of people that aren't going to. They don't want them to have those opportunities. They won't admit it, but their actions are that way. And I would say that we can see that same type of behavior and mentality in people that feel the same way about a student receiving services that they would need for a disability if they were, you know, if they had a learning disability as well. And gifted can have learning disabilities as well and there are still people that are going to struggle with that so you know it's that understanding that this brain is a completely different stuffer it's you know if you want to compare it to computers even you know right (laughs) getting people that yeah getting the general public to understand that there's a lot of misconceptions that gifted like I stated before are elitist and it's like no it's, it's not that we're elitist it's just it's hard when we, and this would be with anyone, when you have a specific viewpoint or you have a specific stance, or you to, a lot of people aren't willing to see other people's viewpoints. And that's how it kind of is. It's like, well, this is how this brain is processing. And it's difficult for us to understand why you can't process at the same speed or why we have to, you know, why we have to repeat this to you or why we have to slow down. And, and it's like, that's not an elitist. It's a general lack of understanding on both parties you know what I'm saying right and something that you haven't said yet and I want to I want to kind of bring this out you've talked about this faster processing speed with all of these gifted abilities there's also things that also co-occur like what about sensory processing is do do you see a lot of um, students that get overly stimulated and or experience anxiety or those type of stressors because of the way that their brain is functioning at that higher processing speed. So I am so glad you said that because there's a lot of work done on that by Dabrowski and over excitability. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes back to that statement I made about the um, more like a circle, it's a cyclical effect type deal that you may have this, like you said, you've got this fast processor. But with that fast processing, yes, there are going to be an influx of emotions, an influx of um, sensory perception. Um, I, this sounds ridiculous, but I, it was really hard for me to go into Toys R Us when it was still open. And trying to explain that to people when I was a parent was really hard because 
when I would walk into Toys R Us, it literally made me want to scream and run. Uh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> and it was too, like, yeah, there was too much sound. There were too many different pieces. There was too much for my brain to be able to feel safe. It caused the anxiety. So yes, when they when you're dealing with gifted, and that's why it's, it's really not an elite thing. It's the fact that that processing is so different. There are definitely, there are a lot of similarities in gifted learners that are also on the autism spectrum disorder. It is amazing some of the similarities. Um, children with sensitivities to tags, to things that are in their waist, to seams in their clothes, to the type of shoes they wear or the type of socks they wear. Um, Scheduling routines. What? Scheduling and routines. Yes, scheduling and routines and anxiety. It's not unusual for me to see children with actual anxiety disorders. It's not unusual for the gifted community to have a lot of um, generalized anxiety disorders, as well as um, a lot of other issues that happen with that. A lot of um, now, I, I don't see it much in my student population, but I know the research shows that as they, because I deal with the students that are, that as they become adults, because they're a smaller percentage of the population and they have all these other problems with the anxiety or the scheduling, the executive functioning components, that their, their mental health state isn't as great either because they're this really bright individual who can't manage to get their act together or can't manage to, you know, go out in public because to get their act together is a loose term. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't mean that disrespectfully, but I mean, that's how it feels to them. It's like, why can't I do this? Why can't I? So, you know, there's a lot of issues that encompass that as they get older because of those anxiety disorders, because of the scheduling and the, the functioning, the executive functioning. Some of the brightest kids I have had had a lot of difficulty effectively communicating with their peers. Mm-hmm. Smart, like could math at the highest level, but could not do eye contact and appropriately communicate with another student. In fact, there was one I had that I had to look at them and say, when someone tells you, have a nice day, the correct response is to respond with them with either a thank you, you also, or, you know, even a longer statement. Because that child would literally, I would say, have a nice day, just walk right past me like I didn't even want this. <laughs> yeah, right? And so I would say it, and I would make them pause, and I would say, have a nice day. And it took time that that child was able to finally say, oh, have a nice day also. So it's a lot of those similarities that are on that, those, those different, you know, disorders, the anxiety and the, the sensory issues, the communication. I mean, they can write like nothing else. They can, you know, draw like nothing else. But when it comes to that, I must look at you and speak. A lot of them have problems with <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I've listened to you talk about about your um, your profession a couple of times now since you've been at um, Steps Care, and there's so many aspects of everything that 
you know so much about that I, you know, you were talking about, you know, being able to pull it all together. I think about the ADHD students that that can't seem to get organized. They're just going from one place to the next and, and their brain seems to follow them, (laughs) you know, like a bouncy ball. And, you know, and I, I see all of that, even, even teaching, you know, correct responses, how to communicate, dealing with emotions, communicating those emotions. What is, what does it mean when I feel anxious and and putting words to those emotions and what is it that I'm feeling and giving it meaning? Those things have to be very literal. Like, you know, you might be able to do great math work and, and things like that, but there's some things that you just have to come out and be very specific, very literal yeah. as yeah. as a person in their life. So, you know, yeah. I I relate to it all, and I'm just like, I'm so fascinated by it. Like, I'm like, ooh, I could talk to her all night long. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to teach kids how to, you know, truly express what's happening their brain it's a lot of like you said a lot of things that have to be taught and a lot of this is how you schedule yourself this is how you study this is you know things that that the general population doesn't understand is the struggle of gifted and why we why the gifted learner may seem standoffish it's like well because the reality is that there's this anxiety or the reality is is that they have over excitability in their emotions and if you tell them something sad that happened in your life they're going to hurt so deeply and cry so badly mm-hmm. that it would have been if it had happened to themselves right. <laughs> and it's 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 not a narcissistic thing it's literally just this over excitability that's happening in their brain that takes time to train the brain to not do that and even then it's really hard i mean I remember when I was a kid, I was watching a Neil Diamond movie, and I was just crying like nothing else because the dad, Neil Diamond's dad, was yelling at him about his behaviors, and he was crying, and I couldn't have been eight or nine because it was before we moved to Missouri, and my mom came upstairs, so it must have been like the ugly cry at that age, right? (laughs) And my mom came upstairs, and she's like, what is your problem? And I I was just like, it's so... Sad. And I'm like, you know, snot and tears everywhere. And she looks at me and she goes, if you can't handle this, turn it off. <laughs> but I was so engaged in it and emotionally excited by it that I couldn't turn it off. But yet my over my excitabilities of my emotions couldn't actually even allow me to process it correctly as, yes, it was stuff a true story, but it's not that was just acting, you know? And it's like, it's not that I didn't know it was acting, it's just my brain with the overexcitability processed it so that it brought out those emotions so deeply. Right. And for a gifted learner, that's really hard because other people don't understand. I used to say that, you know, in my classroom, when they don't get math and they, if something gets hard, I see a lot of the ugly cry over math. And it's it's because of those excitabilities, you know, when your emotions get so high and they can't process what to do, that's what, you know, you're either going to cry or, or shut down. And a lot of times I see that, I see those deep, intense emotions over an algebra equation. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> me too. It's, like, it's usually because I can't get it. <laughs> It's one of those things that you just like, yeah, here we go. There's those 
so much to learn here. So the last thing that I, or the second to the last thing I want to say or want to ask is what are some key ideas um, for translating that, the support that is needed within faith communities, like say within kids ministry, youth ministries, and, and on through life um, within, the, within a faith community for those students? So, so within the life, it's kind of hard, and you probably know that within any disability community, even within right. the life part, is a little bit more difficult. Um, it's almost, I think I've mentioned this to you before, it's kind of that mentality, well, we're going to provide support for someone until they're 18, and then, well, you're 18, good luck, you should be able right. to do it now. <laughs> I hate that mentality. <laughs> right. So, that's not the case, all right? 18 is a small portion of your life, okay? Right. There's <laughs> Anyhow, so much more to go. <laughs> right? Um, so, within the faith community, the biggie is realizing that when a child knows what you're teaching, they're not trying to be a know-it-all or a smart aleck or demean you when they predict and blurt what you're saying, what you intend to say. It's because what you're teaching them is below them at that point, and they're hoping you're going to give them more. And so within the faith community, what I would like to say and see and hear people are doing is that recognizing that when you have kids who know way more about the Bible and they know those stories and they know, I like to call them truths, not stories, but they know where it's all going, or they make those deep connections of those lessons that you had that hidden meaning and point, and they made those connections halfway through the lesson before you get there, or well before it's for some classes, is if you're basing your classes off of the age or the grade that that child is in, that that child should not be limited to that because mm. that's going to lead them to be frustrated and not want to live their life in that faith. Right. Because they're going to see that as demeaning. They may never say it, but it's how they are going to feel. Right. And so what I would say within the faith community is if you're seeing those kids that are saying they're bored by your class, don't take it personally. <laughs> Move them to the next level. Don't hold them to that age. Right. You know, that would be saying that if you have a saint in your church who's been living for God and in your faith there for 20 years or more, that they still need to go back and learn the very first class that the new convert of your faith is going to learn. That's not true. They don't do that. We don't right. do that to people. And so we shouldn't do that to children. Right. And life terms, if it's a student that isn't ready to move on, I also think don't move them on to the next age within reason. You know what I'm saying? Right. That, you know, we should put we should put children in the classes based off of, yeah, there can be an age range, but know that we're going to have situations that some children are better suited within their developmental means to one age without being pushed to the next. Right. Or that some are suited for the next level, um, because of where their brain is thinking. Um, and if the church isn't set up to do that, then I would challenge them to do that and set it up so it does work that way. Um, that would be, you know, 
if, if your church isn't set up for disabilities, it's not like you can just leave it not set up for disabilities. You have to legally make building accommodations. Right. Um, likewise, when we're dealing with Sunday school, we should be making children accommodations. You know, if you have strong families that you know that kid knows that, that word of God and knows what they're doing, don't hold them back. Let them develop a deeper relationship with God so they're not resentful of the community that they're in. Right. Um, and also link them up with another, you know, individuals as they get older as teens. If you know that you've got some gifted individuals within your church that truly their thinking capacity is above and faster and, and there's you know someone that you're like yeah they're really abnormal in this aspect that might be a good person to link up those youth with as they're entering that young adult phase because one of the things about gifted learners that was learned over time is that the gifted learner is going to need a mentor that is equivalent to what they are in life so likewise if we want to have productive, efficient saints that are willing to just be out there doing the work of God, we need to link them up with people that are like them, that are going to allow them and train them to be that way through their young adult lives so that they can move on into ministry, continue their path into ministry, I think, because we should have them involved in ministry when they're young. So that would be my suggestion for the faith-based community is, you know, change how you're thinking about your classes. Oh, yes. I've got all kinds of things that I'd like to say about changing up structuring and flexibility within those classes. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's so much that we can do when we when we start thinking a little bit out of the box and, and you know, just looking to how can we best serve the students that we're given and, yeah. and try to just go with that, you know, changing up the environment, looking at environmental changes, you know, whether oh, yeah. it's restructuring the ages or classrooms or... All of that. There's so much that you can do. Yeah, just a case by case. I know that, I mean, I'm supposed to teach 11-year-olds, but I have some that are not 11 um, because they need my teaching ability for them. So I have some 10-year-olds, you know, that are in my class, even though I'm supposed to teach 11-year-olds for church. Um, So that's because... You know, we're looking at them going, they're bored, they're tired of this, they're feeling like they don't want to be in there, they don't want the same, and it's like, so what do we do? That's a simple fix, move on to the next level, you know? So, like you say, there's so many things that a person can do that are really minimal sometimes, and just little creative approaches, Um, and so that would be my thing, you know, also. And a lot of times, if a kid's really obnoxious and acting out in the class, it might be that you really are boring them because they already know what you're doing and where you're going right and so you know face face life study harder (laughs) (laughs) get busy work on it (laughs) exactly yeah be creative see where you can find those hidden meanings and stuff which is kind of what i'm doing with that curriculum that i'm writing it's trying to find those yeah trying to find the how can we take this everyday thing and bring it to and so it's kind of gonna be that deeper level content so yes audra is helping us or not helping us she is writing a curriculum that we are going to um to let you all in on as soon as she's she's got it all done it's going to be amazing i'm sure it's going to be so awesome and we'll put that on um the details of all of that 
after she's she's got it done she just started on that so we'll give her the time to get it all finished and and um, put together but we are so excited about it we can't hardly contain the excitement over here <laughs> for that curriculum that's I'm pretty coming. Excited. I'm pretty excited about it and I'm excited to be working with you to get that disability inclusiveness in the room and I think I'm going to work with uh, some families as well for the ELL can, um, inclusive mm. part of that as well. So like Because it. in ministry we're not limited to one language. No, we are And not. we need to you know, as faith-based communities, we need to be receptive and figure out how we can meet the needs so that they, so that those that English is not their primary language can flow spiritually just as much as English language learners. Right, and, and cultural differences or as, as well. Non-English, non-English language learners, so that they they can yeah. Down. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to ask one more question and then we're going to be done. All right. Okay. So is there any last thing that you would like to leave with us or other educators going into the new school year for this, um, for this year? Ooh, so yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> I will honestly say that this year, because I had done so much learning during the summer, that I was actually really excited to go back to school. Because you had so much to give. Like, did you have a bunch yeah. of ideas? <laughs> yeah, I had so much to give back to my kids that people had poured into me, and mm. like you said, so many ideas. And so I was really excited and kind of sad that it didn't start soon when I learned all my stuff. <laughs> Don't um, wait to use this but... knowledge. <laughs> You what? I, you were probably thinking, man, I have to wait to use this knowledge. I can't just exactly. teach it now. I'm going to forget it. <laughs> I'm going to forget it before I get there. <laughs> um, so, I know, right? Going into this school year, I would say start your, start and continue your whole year with an attitude of an excitement. Mm-hmm. How you view things, how you look at things, how you look at your students is going to determine your success. And with that said, when you have those days that students maybe had a really rough day and it affected you, don't take it personal. Um, I think as educators, we sometimes feel personally attacked when a student has an outburst or tells us that they don't like the way we did something. And we need to remember that they're humans, and I and Autumn has told me that that's why uh, students like me so much is because I, I treat them like a human with mm-hmm. a level of respect, and I don't treat them like they're some little child, and I think for this year, for educators, that would be my words, would be go into this with a level of excitement. I mean, I know some schools have already started. I have. We had our first week. I told the custodian that if the rest of the school year moves this fast, I'm in trouble. It's going to make me feel like I'm behind. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But go into it with excitement, not taking things personally, and treating your students like you would want to be treated and like your children would want to be treated. And if you don't have children that are young anymore, how your grandchildren would want to be treated. Mm. And if you don't have children of your own, how you would want your cats and dogs to be treated if we have there to go there. <laughs> and we um, do. <laughs> yeah, just to put it in that perspective of 
And it was interesting as the, the new principal, we have two of them at Central, started off the, the professional learning for Central, which I say we, I actually belong to self. So my <laughs> director is different than the one at, but at Central, but I call it like a dual citizenship because we are inside <laughs> their building. Yes. Um, but her idea and her philosophy of education really matches mine that we're there for those kids and that's the thing as teachers for this school year we are there for those kids and they deserve the best Mm -hmm. that you can give them and if you cannot give them the best that day you probably should do something for yourself over the weekend that makes you feel better as a human about yourself so you can give them the best the next week and don't, don't take stuff personally become rationally detached from situations so that you can still give them the best of how you want to be treated as well. And so that would be, you know, and have fun. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. If you didn't, yeah, if you can't have fun and laugh at your mistakes and point out those mistakes to your students, <laughs> you might need to just, like I said, find something that uh, you can have just some self-care over the weekend so that you can. Um, that's one thing I can say. I love what I do. And for this new school year, I would want teachers to love this school year, what they are doing, and love their students and have fun with them. Learning should be fun and exciting. So that would be my going into it. You're going into a full steam. Some of us may feel like we were already behind. Some of us may feel like, where'd the summer go? And it (laughs) probably did move quickly. I don't deny it. I spent a lot of my time learning this summer and working. And yeah, still just have fun with it. Go, go be your best. Show them that you care. Enjoy it. I so, love yeah. it. Those are some <laughs> great things to leave us with this um, evening, Miss um, Audra. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. You have inspired oh, me. <laughs> I am inspired. <laughs> I'm so ready to start my school year on Monday. Um, thank Yay, you. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> right out of summer and straight into fall. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, well, I really do enjoy it, though. It's it's a lot of fun being able to learn oh, and yeah. have this opportunity. It's such a season of life that oh, I'm yeah. cherishing, and um, I'm thankful for it. I am learning yeah. a lot. So I'm going to let you go and, um, and and just let you know that we're just so grateful to have you a part of Steps Care. And we look forward to all of the great opportunities that we get to work together and um, and collaborate. And I, I just, I'm excited about having you a part of our team. You're amazing. Uh, oh, I don't know about that. I'm excited to work with you guys and maybe learn some more in other areas as well so that I'm more well-rounded. Um, I hope I can bring to the table stuff. I feel like... So thank you for joining us for this two-part conversation with Audra Uzel. I hope that you had as much fun and gained as much from this conversation as we did. We have a great conversation lined out for you next week that you won't want to miss. For more information about what we do here at Steps Care, check out our website at stepscare.org. If you have any questions or comments about this week's episode, email us at talk at stepscare.org. We love hearing from our listeners. Steps Talk can be heard on nine different platforms, so check us out. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, and more.
you can always go back and listen to our previous episodes, um, which can be found on our website at stepscare.org. So I hope you all have a great week. Good luck with school. And we'll see you next Monday. We hope you've been inspired.